Welcome. You are about to listen to a destiny-changing message preached by Pastor David at Caris Phase 2. Caris Phase 2 is our revival-seeking youth ministry where young people are coming to know Jesus Christ. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Be blessed as you listen. Acts chapter 2 verse 38, Bible says that. 37 talks about how they asked Peter after the preaching. One of the signs of a good preaching, it, it must leave you to be thinking, what should I do? And then it tells you that good preaching makes, makes you want to know what to do. Because it makes you feel you need to take a step. And it's always a godly step. So, when Peter preached, they asked him, men and bread, they asked them, men and brethren, what should we do? Verse 37. And then Peter said, let's read what Peter said. So he said, what happens to you when you have done what you are supposed to do? What did he say they are supposed to do? Repent. Repent. Is that all? Baptize. Uh-huh. Uh, what, what did he say they are supposed to do? Number one, how many things did he say they should do? Repent. Repent. Uh-huh. Be baptized. And what else? Receive it. Are they the ones active agents of the receiving or they just receive it? It's given. So receiving is the end. Is that, is that not right? So what the fundamental thing they have to do is the one word, repent and then be baptized. Okay. Why should I repent and be baptized? Ah. So if I want remission of sins, oh, okay, I have to repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. And is that all I get if I repent and baptize? I'm trying to help you to see how to study the Bible. That's not my teaching today. But this is a basic way to study the Bible. Don't just read. Analyze the text. Break it down. Do, um, do a comprehensive exercise, an exercise of comprehension. Try to understand what they are talking about, the demands, the requirements, the points that are making. And so here it said, repent and let everyone, not some of you, everyone. But what about those who haven't done anything wrong? He said, everyone. Everyone must be baptized. Oh, okay. Every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. What for? Why should I be baptized? Why should I be? He said, for the remission of sins. Oh. For the remission of sins. Ah. He said, if your sins are remitted, what happens? You shall receive the gift. Did you see that little word? After the sins end. So it's as a result of sins being remitted. So when the, your sins are remitted, something happens then. Afterwards, said, end. 
you shall receive. Um, am I permitted to just pick it up properly? Because this story is Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says that the noise was loud outside because the Holy Spirit was inside. And those outside, they heard the noise. Mm. But the noise they heard was very interesting. It got their, it arrested their attention. But when their attention was arrested, they were asking some questions. In verse 7, Acts chapter 2, verse 7, 8, 9, they found out that these people who were speaking, we said, then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these Galileans? We hear them speak because at that time, you know, Jews like traveling because of business. They said, uh, How is okay? I was explaining how Jews like traveling. So, but one beautiful thing about Jews is they don't change their identity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Jews travel around, and so there were Jews who lived in all those. Territory, the Asia territory, they travel up. And so when you look at Acts chapter 6, verse 2, verse 1 talks about when the church multiplied, there arose, if actually verse 1 I'm looking for, complaints, did you listen to, against the Hebrews. Say Hebrews. Hebrews. By who? Hellenists. Oh, who are Hellenists? Someone called Helen, or oh, mother is Helen. <laughs> So when you lose, give us a different translation, like the New Living Translation, you find out who a Helen is. See the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that, okay, so the Greek-speaking believers complain against the Hebrew-speaking. So Greek-speaking, anything Greek is Hellenistic. So that's a theology, it's a Hellenist. Yeah, when I say you are Hellenist, it's very Greek and not Hebrew. So there were Jews, like the way we have, some of you, uh, your, your, your name even tells your original nature, Olushegu Obasanjo. But everything about you is British. Everything about you is British, but at core, your diet is pounded. Jolof. Eforiro. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moin, moin. Hey! You just like it. What is this? This potatoes. What is this? Give me pounded. Yeah. Give me a bar. And a gushi. And a bono. Now, if you, your, your mouth is already watering. So, even though your accent doesn't show anything. Your accent is very British. But at core, you are a typical proper Niger person. <laughs> even though you actually even not been to Nigeria before. But the Jews, they, every year they go to Jerusalem. So even though they are living in Mesopotamia, they were living in Phrygia, they are living in Pamphylia, they are living in Galatia. They are living in all these areas that are very far away from Jerusalem. Every year, they come to Jerusalem. They come to Israel. 
And they are all Jews, like the Russian Jews, the Ukrainian Jews, the American Jews, British Jews, German Jews. They are always like, and wherever they are, they still remain Jews. But one thing is that they always come back, especially in those Bible times, they come especially on the day of Pentecost. Because it was part of their ritual, celebrations, and which God gave them. And so the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost. And so can you imagine when you go to, okay, a typical example is like during the Olympics in London. You see the number of na different nationals who are here from different countries. And if something had happened, it was a major global news because people have come from almost every nation. It's the same thing on the day of Pentecost. And God waited for the day of Pentecost and released the Holy Ghost on the believers. And then when the Holy Ghost came on the believers, verse 5 talks about how it was, uh, verse 5 and verse 6, you see, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, say Jews, Jews. and devout men, people who were very religious, Jews, from every nation under heaven. But before verse 5, verse 4 says that, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with tongues. Then the next statement says, there were devout men and Jews from every nation in Jerusalem when this thing was happening. And so, verse 6 talks about the noise went out. No more church, the noise go out. And when this, <laughs> when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone, that doesn't mean, if they were Jews, sorry, if they were all in Jerusalem, they speak Hebrew. So everyone knows the same language. But these ones, they come from every nation, and everyone was hearing the people speaking their language. He said, no, no, it's not Yoruba. It's Fra Fra. And this one said, this one said, no, no, it's not Fra Fra, fra, fra it's Lingala. And this one said, I also hear German. No, 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 don't listen to that. It's German they are speaking. No, no, this one said, no, no, it's Patwa, it's Patwa. <laughs> One. So it looks like the miracle is not the speaking. The miracle is what they were hearing. Yeah. Everyone, because everyone, that's what confused them. They, they, they could hear their own language. They, they said, are these not all Galileans? Because all the guys were there, they had not traveled. They've not traveled because they were there with Jesus. They don't travel, they had not traveled. They've just been in that same territory. But are these not all, we're amazed. Look, are these all not Galilean? Look at the next verse. How come? How is it that we hear each one, each in our, our own language in which we were born? Very, but you know, Jew, yeah, I wasn't born in Jerusalem. I don't, my first language is not Hebrew. My first language is French. The, the other person said, my first language is uh, uh, Mandarin. The other person said, my, my first language is uh, uh, Swahili. Yeah, the other person my first language is Spanish. So, I'm really Spanish. Like some of you, you can't really speak any language properly. Yeah. yeah. I, I have some Yoruba friends. One particular person is Yoruba. She grew up in America. She lives in Nigeria at the moment. Grew up in America. Doesn't understand the Yoruba language. But her accent is even bot. You know, the bot, bot, I'm coming there. The, the, Nigeria, the Yoruba bot is inside. 
Uh, yeah, but, you know, but. Yeah, I went to the Tesco, but they didn't have <laughs> apple juice. <laughs> However, she, it's interesting she has the Nigerian accent, but she doesn't speak Yoruba. So, so long as she's concerned, Yoruba is not her first language, even though she's real Yoruba. So these people were like that. Hebrew was not their first language. But strangely, they kept hearing the Italian. Ha! Ah, these guys are speaking Latin. So they, they were confused. When the Holy Ghost came first, the people outside were confused. What's, what, what's that? What's going on? So can you imagine? It really attracts attention. Yeah. Everybody, come, come, come. We have never heard it. So they said, when the, uh, verse, verse seven, yeah, verse eight, look at verse eight. And how is it that we hear them each in our own language in which we were born? So let's say Pastor Kobe is, can, is hearing them speaking Cantonese. Mm. At the same time, he too, who is uh, French, is hearing French. Mm. The German person is hearing, the German is hearing German. How come you hear in your own language? I hear in my own language. She hears in her own what is this? I mean, it's a very strange thing. Very strange phenomenon. Does never appear occurred in the meanwhile the people speaking they didn't know what they were saying. Because verse 4 says that they, they all started speaking in tongues, other tongues, as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. No human being can do this. Speak, I'm speaking one language and everybody's hearing their own language. Wow! So, so they said, look at the nation some of them had come from. There's Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Bethrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visited from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Now, proselytes in those times, when they say someone is a proselyte, it's like you are not Jew, but now you have converted to start practicing the, Jew, the Jewish religion. So they were proselytes. I've said it here before. So proselytes, they've come all to Jerusalem, and it says that the next verse, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. And they were hearing what they were saying. They were talking about God is amazing. This is what God has done. And like, these guys are speaking in my language. And they are, they are not hearing rap music. <laughs> They're hearing the language about the wonderful works of God. If it is God, he doesn't focus on all other things that people want to hear. He focuses on God. So the Holy Spirit was talking about the wonderful works of God. And they're saying it. And so they were all confused. And they were, so what happened? So they were all amazed and perplexed. What's the meaning of perplexed? Confused. Yeah. Perplexed, saying one to another, what could this mean? They're calling people, can everybody come? So when God has now got their attention, and then some people too said, these people are drunk. It's so preposterous to think someone, alcohol can make you speak everybody's language. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> think about it. 
I'm wondering what that those were they were thinking about when they supposed that these guys can be drunk. Drunken people speak language that you can hear in your own mother tongue. Have you noticed how when people want to attack church, they can be so stupid by others think, oh, that's fine. Because what you said is really very unintellectual. It's very dumb to even think the way you are thinking about it. Oh, as for church, it's all about money. Are you not stupid to think like that? Who says who? Can you define what you mean by it's all about money? All these people are lies. Some people say, oh, all church people are, are all fake. You are the fakest, phoniest, craziest, excuse me, my language, dumbest creature. It's so dumb to say, to pastors sweeping statements. But they do it always when it comes to church. People say anything and they look very intelligent. So they said they are drunk. Others mocking them saying they are full of new wine. Fresh wine, fresh wine was very powerful. Early morning like that. So then Peter, the next verse. But Peter standing with the 11. There were not only 11, there were 120 of them. But the 11 other apostles, it's very important. The apostles were 12. When Judas went, they replaced somebody uh, with Matthias uh, in the chapter, end of chapter one. So chapter two, Holy Ghost came down. When the apostolic number was ready, they were praying. The Bible said they were all 120 in the upper room. So Peter stood with the 11. She don't make yourself church leader. This one, it was the leaders who stood. But one person spoke. So Peter stood with the, I'm sure he went out, stood before the people. The 11 were standing there. <laughs> and he said, men of Judea and all those dwelling in Jerusalem at that time. So you can imagine if you have a hotel business in Jerusalem. Very good. Mm-hmm. Every year, that time of the year, like Christmas here. Oh yeah, it, it's, it's good. Like when the queen's funeral, all hotels, were about three times the price in London. Serious. So people were said, all those dwelling in Jerusalem, we want you to know that these people are not drunk. Men of Judea and those dwelling in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and hit my ways. Wow, he said, listen to me, let me tell you this. But that one he was speaking in Hebrew. Because that's the only language you could speak. So the other ones who heard in their own language that their business, but him began to address them in Hebrew. Listen to my words. These people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only a third hour of the day, very early in the morning. Very, very early in the morning. Third hour of the day, that's before 9 a.m. or I think 6 a.m. or so. Very early in the morning, so they can't be drunk. Then I, what I like is how he said, this is, what is happening, this, he said that this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Because he was talking to Hebrews, they knew what he meant. Hebrews, you can't practice Judaism without keeping an eye on Moses and the prophets. Other than you are, not, you are fake. It's only the prophets and Moses. They only believe in what the prophets have said. God has to show them that believe in the prophets because the prophets will be talking about the Messiah. So that's why Jesus said, I came to fulfill the prophets and then the law. Oh, they are, the law and the prophets are only talking about Jesus. So when the church, the first preaching, 
Peter's opening comment is what you are seeing in the church today is what the prophets are already speaking about. It's not anything new in the program of God. Said so this is what was said by the prophet Joel. Then he quoted Joel chapter 2, verse 28, that in the last days, says the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will see visions and dreams and all that. Then he said, it's interesting, after he quoted the scripture, after he quoted the scripture, he ended by saying that, and that's also in the same Joel chapter 28. He says, and whoever, verse 31 says, and whoever shall call on his name, Joel, uh, 30, 32, and, who, uh, uh, and it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said. So now look at what Peter quoted. And then verse th- chapter 2, verse, no, verse 20. Verse 20. Then he quoted, he added this, um, the sun shall be dark. All is part of Joel. Then, then he went to verse 21. 21 said, and it shall come to pass. Still Joel. And it shall come to pass. This is very interesting. It's good I thought on salvation. That whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, he, he introduces salvation. Because he was saying that what Joel preached about, salvation is only in the name of the Lord. But what Joel said, you couldn't have done it because the Lord had not come. Now the Lord had come and gone. So whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then after, after he quoted Joel, does every good preaching must have quotation. Those of you who want to be preachers, never preach without starting with the quotation. Because what have you got to say? What, what have you got to say? Speak the word. So he quoted from Joel from the prophets. And then when he finished the quotation, he started addressing them. He said, men of Israel, hear these words. Then he started talking about Jesus. After quoting, he said, hear these words. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst. This is not Strange story, you all knew it. In your midst, which God did through in your midst, as you yourself know, you know it. Oh, he's preaching Jesus. Hallelujah. God did through your midst, which you know. And then he says, and you by lawless hands, you killed him by the determined, he says that him being delivered by the determined purpose of and the fallen of God, you you have taken by lawless hand and have crucified and put to death. Then I'm sure somebody say, true or false? True. You know what? He's talking to them. you. Killed him. You killed Jesus. Means in spite of all the miracles, all the things that God did through him, you still killed him. Wow. But his death was not the end. Twenty-four said, but God raised him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whom God raised up. See, 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 that's the message of the church. Whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that death should be, he should be held by death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then he quotes again. Oh, Peter's preaching was full of quotations. For David says concerning him, he quotes from the Psalms. For I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Look at the next verse. This is very Therefore, my heart, this is David. 
Therefore, my heart rejoices and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope. Why? This is all David. Why? For you will not leave my soul in haste, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. This is David. Did you, is it David? Because he said, David said. And it's in Psalm 2. So he quotes, goes, the preaching was good. He starts with Joel. Then after talking about Jesus, he goes to Psalms and he picks what the Psalms have said. And he said that, let me explain the Psalm to you. David said it, but you, he cannot be talking about himself because David died and he sinned corruption. So what David wrote definitely was not about him. David was writing about somebody who will not see corruption. He's making a case for the resurrection. Hallelujah. Whom God raised, that's the verse 24. Whom God raised, now he's making a case for the resurrection from where? From scripture. That it's already been written. It's already been prophesied, but you haven't noticed it. So he goes to the scripture, began to pull the documents, the ancient document they all relied on, to show them that the document we are relying on has said these things and it's happening right in our lives, but it seems like you have missed it. Are you learning something? Look at the next verse. David, you have not, uh, you have made known to me the ways of life. You will make uh, you will make me full of joy in the, in the present. That's all, David. Okay, look at the next verse. Look at it. Then he begins to talk to them. He keeps calling them men and brethren, people of Israel. He addressed them like ladies and gentlemen, ladies and mamas and papas, brothers and sisters, <laughs> fellow citizens. So he kept addressing them. He said, men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. Okay, tell us, what are you I'm going to say about David? Because he just quoted what David said that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us today. I can go and show you his tomb. His, his bones are there. So that thing David said could never be referring to David. Yeah. That's the case he was raising. He said his, his tomb is here with us today. Look at the next verse. Therefore, David being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body. See, David, God told David, you are raised a son from you. Yeah. So, and David was a prophet, so he spoke about his son, who God will raise. So when he was speaking, sometimes, this is what the prophets used to do. Sometimes, like Isaiah. Isaiah said, Bible says that, Isaiah said, uh, he was led like a slaughter, a, a, a sheep to the slaughter. By his stripes we were healed. He was wounded for our transgression. The Ethiopian eunuch said, who is this guy talking about? Because definitely not Isaiah himself. So who is Isaiah talking about? There are times where David will speak in the first person, but he didn't refer to himself. Even though it looks like David was talking about himself, he was talking about somebody else. Because when you read it carefully, and you draw to its logical conclusion, he couldn't be talking about David. Like when David quoted in Psalm 110, verse 1, 2, 3, 4. David said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies my footstool. Whoa, whoa, who is this Lord then? Who is this Lord who, you see, there are two, there are two lords. One, one of the lords is Yahweh, the first one. And the second one is Adonai. Okay. So Yahweh said to my Adonai, but who is this Lord who is above David? Who the Lord is saying to him? So it's like 
Almighty God said to David's boss, landlord, who is your landlord? Yeah. So David's lord. But David is a patriarch. Who is a patriarch? Someone who is like a, a, a significant father of a whole move. So behind him, there's not anybody bigger. Abraham is a patriarch. These are big guys. But David is saying that the Lord said, Adonai, oh sorry, Yahweh said to my Adonai, my Lord, sit at my right hand. Say right hand. Right. Does it ring a bell? Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Look at verse 2. The Lord shall send the rod of your, strength, of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. In the day of your power, thy people shall be willing. What? In the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning, thou hast, thou hast the dew of thy youth. Look at verse 4. The Lord has sworn, what is this? The Lord has sworn and will not change. It's relent. You are a priest forever. After, who is this? No. If you are very interested and intelligent in scripture, you are reading this, the logical question is, but who is this? Who is this that? So the Jews have always wondered, who is this person talking about? Then, so Peter says that David said that you will not leave my soul in Hades. Neither will you allow my uh, flesh to see corruption. But he said, uh, brothers and sisters, let me sub- submit to you that David is dead and his tomb is with us today. So that scripture didn't apply to him because he saw corruption. He, was, he has decayed. So he couldn't be talking about David. His tomb is with, we all know his tomb. So look at the next verse. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has told him to raise, um, swore with an, with an oath to him that he, from the fruit of his body, uh, according to the flesh, he will raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. So God told David, because David was special to God, God said, you, because you want to build the church, you want to build my temple, I will raise your son to sit on the throne forever. So the Jews knew this already. So that's why David is a very special person because God gave him the promise that you are going to be the father of the Messiah. So the, he was saying that because David was a prophet and God has also sworn to him, he was speaking about this son that God was going to. So the things he wrote, he was actually prophesying. Now, look at the next verse. I, I, am I confusing anybody? He, what this, does, he, who is the he talking about? Who is the he talking about? Who was, let's go back, let's go back. I just want, that's how you study your Bible. Therefore, being a prophet, who is this talking about? And that, knowing that God has sworn to raise his flesh, uh, his, his, uh, according to the next verse. He, who is this talking about? David. For knowing, uh, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of Christ, that Christ's soul, well, soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh. So he was saying that when they said that somebody will not see corruption, David was not talking about himself. But him being a prophet spoke about the Christ who was coming. What did he say about the Christ? That Christ's soul will not be left in Hades and he will not see corruption. Why is he saying that? Because of verse 24. He said, him God raised. So no one has ever not seen corruption. There's only one person who has not seen corruption. That is why when they tell you that, don't worry, all Christians say Jesus resurrected from the dead, don't mind them, because that's the, the devil wants 
to say he didn't resurrect from the dead. Because if he resurrected from the dead, then when what he said was true, that he's the son of God. Yeah. If he resurrected from the dead, then this scripture David said, he's talking about him. If he has not resurrected from the dead, the scripture was not talking about him. So that's why he said, Jesus Christ was attested by God amongst you. You, cut, you caught him and crucified him. You killed him. God raised him the third day from the dead because he would not allow his Holy One to see collection. Then he said, but that's what David said. So after talking about David, he said that he David being a prophet foresaw this and um, he spoke about the uh, Messiah, the Christ. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. This Jesus God, did you see that? Mm-hmm. So you see, it's, it's like, that's why I normally want to tell my brothers, mm-hmm. preach and make sense from scripture. Yeah. It's like, this is like someone standing in court making a case with scripture. Look, think about it. The first preaching was very intellectual. You know, that has happened. That has happened when they were shaking and the Holy Ghost, the fire was on their head. Everybody here, and this unique thing was the, even the miracles that were happening that people were hearing their own language. But as soon as they got the attention of people, they say, okay, like, let's explain to you what is happening. There, is, there must be a biblical explanation to your shaking and your movement. How come you are in church always shaking and jumping and rolling and there's no biblical interpretation and explanation to it? What kind of Christianity is this? It's phony. Oh, that's a miracle. You know, he's a prophet. It doesn't matter what he say. You just believe. Please, don't. Don't. Get a reason from scripture before you believe. If it cannot be validated from scripture, throw it away. The first preaching is opening comments. This is what the prophet said. How come you are doing something in church and we can't find its trace to the Bible? It's a demonic behavior. I don't care how good you are. Demons have hijacked your service. That's what makes it concerning when you go to some churches and they are using all kinds of things in their worship. Where is this from? You don't have to be condemning things, but you just have to validate things, check things with scripture. If you don't find it in scripture, you have the right not to maybe condemn it, but walk away from it. Don't practice it. If you can't find praise and worship in scripture, don't do it. If you can't find evangelism in scripture, don't do it. If you can't find giving in scripture, don't do it. Do it because scripture said it. Because God watches over his word to perform it. So he quoted the scripture. And he says that, let's go back to verse 32. Are you learning? This is Bible study actually, actually. this is Bible study. That's not what I intend to preach. I've quoted the scripture, I've not forgotten. If you have time, I'll deal with that too. Then this Jesus God has raised up of there's something here. You know, when you look at the verse 22, look at verse 22. Oh, no, sorry, I think uh, 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 the verse 23. Yeah, verse, no, no, I think no, verse 22. Let's stay in the verse 22. Verse 22. Uh, 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 through him in your midst, as you yourself know. Mm-hmm. See? So this is some, not something they didn't know. But look at the verse 32. Verse 32 it said, This is just God has raised, of which we are, it didn't say you are witnesses. 
We, we know it. That's why we have come to tell you that the, what the, the prophet said has happened. Yeah. Don't stay out there. God is moving here. So, so we are witnesses of this resurrection. Of this resurrection. I thought that would be the end. He added more scriptures. Wow, Peter. Look at the next verse. Therefore, watch this. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see. He brought everything into context. So why, why, did they, why, why, why did the people give them the audience? Because they saw something that got them confused. We all hear them speak in our native language, the wonderful works of God. People said they were all confused. They started passing comments. Some have said they are drunk. Others said, no, how can drunken people talk like this? No, 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 Then Peter goes and said, let me tell you what's happening. They are not drunk. Joel said it. You remember Jesus of Nazareth? We all saw what God did to his life, but you killed him, right? They killed him, right? And he said that, but God raised him. God raised him. Maybe you don't know that, but, but we know. God raised him. And he says, David said it, that somebody will be raised. It wasn't about David. It was the, it was the Messiah. And he says that we shall, this Jesus, God raised, and we are witnesses of him. Then he says that, and after God raised him, he went to heaven, being exalted to the right hand of God. You remember right hand? You remember right hand? Being exalted to the right hand of God the Father and have received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He has poured this on us, which you are now seeing. So what you are seeing is the gift of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus, when he ascended, has now poured on us. Oh, really? That's a beautiful preaching. Now look at the next verse. Scripture is coming. Oh, David. So he quotes again. He said, for David did not ascend into heaven, but he said, the Lord said to my Lord. You remember this? David said, the Lord said, but David, you haven't gone to heaven. So who is this that the Lord, Yahweh is telling to sit on his right hand? David is not going to heaven. But somebody else must have gone. It's somebody who was so powerful that God tells the person now sit at my right hand. So he said, David did not ascend to heaven because he died. If he had gone to heaven, we didn't have had his tomb. So his tomb, every year they go and say, oh, David, oh, well done, oh. well done. He said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, the next verse, till I make your enemies serve. It's the same thing from Psalm 110. Look at the next verse. Therefore, let the, watch this. It's, a, it's getting interesting now. He said, therefore, you see, argument. It's like he's making a case. On the grounds of that, therefore, let the house of Israel know assuredly, with confidence, he said, let me know assuredly that God has made this Jesus who you people crucified. Is there. Whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Christ. Because the Lord said to the Lord said to who? My Lord. The Lord said to who? My Lord. And he's the one who's gone and now is it so it's the Lord. God has made him Lord yeah. and Christ. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. So that nice preaching, explaining this from scripture. Does it make sense when he says that I did not come to destroy the, uh, the prophets? Yeah. But I came to fulfill it. Because he just came to fulfill what they were saying. The Bible speaks with one voice. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Huh? Analogia Scriptura. 
Tota Scriptura. The Bible speaks with one voice. So everything that was said in the Old Testament is in line with whatever is being said in the New Testament. Everything that is said in the New Testament is in line with everything that is said in the Old Testament. When some ignorant person tells you that the Bible contradicts itself, tell them that your eyes are blind. Yes. Oh, but I know you don't know squat. Oh, but I know you don't know. Excuse me, can I ask you one question? You who claim you know. Have you read it cover to cover, page to page? You, you, you said you know. Have you read this thing page to page? Cover to cover. Have, have you read it? Have you read it? You haven't even read it. You haven't read it from page to page, from cover to cover. You haven't done it. You, even if you've read it, you've read only bits of it. You haven't read everything. You haven't read everything. You, you, you haven't read You haven't read You haven't read everything. You haven't read everything. You haven't read everything. So, let you guys, is that let the house of Israel know that this Jesus, whom this Jesus, say this Jesus. This Jesus. It's nice then he says that which you know. It happened right before your eyes. It happened before their eyes. They knew it. The miracles and everything in their eyes. They killed him in their eyes. None of them could prove that he's still in the grave. Wow. Nobody can prove that Jesus stayed in the grave. Is that prove, prove the resurrection? Prove his body. Wow. Don't you think that the way people hate Christianity, if there was a wound, people have already found it yeah. and made sure that this is it. This, yeah, yeah. Because it, it has changed, the, Christianity has changed the whole world. The whole world. The whole world. Permit me to classify it as they would do as a religion. The largest religion in the whole world. Yeah which is built on a resurrection. Yeah. Wound researchers have made sure we've disproved proved it. Because you cannot deny the historicity of Jesus. Wow. Yeah. And he lived uh, around 4 BC. He lived, he actually lived. Pontius Pilate, if you look at the history of Pontius Pilate, it will tell you he, he, he executed a Jesus of Nazareth. Everyone, it's, it's, it's actually in secular historic books. Jesus' story is not something that is not, it didn't happen in time. It's not fictional. It's, it's a real story that happened. It's, it's more real than Winston Churchill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. It's real. Yeah. That is why it will be difficult for you to behave that, oh, Christianity, it didn't exist. It did. Christ, watch this. That's why I made a statement. Some of you didn't get it. Christianity is not just emotion. No. It's highly intellectual. And it is not against reason. If you can't serve God with reason, it's a bogus worship. Yeah. That's when you want to kill people if they challenge you. <laughs> There's a reason. Why do you have to kill? Let's reason. Christianity has never been afraid of, afraid of debate. Christianity has never been afraid of dialogue. Christianity has never been afraid of proof, giving reason. Never. Never. They are top, 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 top wise, great scientists who are heavy Christians and theologians. So don't, don't think that being a scientist doesn't, you can't be a Christian. It's a fool's errand to think like that. There are a lot of scientists who are not Christian, but there are also a lot of more senior scientists who are Christian. Even that Newton was a Christian. 
you, you are a physicist, but Newton was a Christian. Wow. Oh, please, what have you discovered? Mm. <laughs> what have you discovered? Most of the, Faraday, Einstein, most of those people were Christians. Queen Elizabeth II was a proper Christian. Was a proper Christian. Are you trying to say she's stupid? No. Wow. Queen Elizabeth being able to rule in the modern world for 70 years and you think she's stupid? Oh, excuse me. But unfortunately, many Christians don't even also raise their case from scripture or from history. So some ignorant historian says that, oh, this thing never happened. You are a fake historian like someone who is saying that the Holocaust never happened. How can you say it didn't happen? How, how, how? And you still think you are a historian? You are a quack historian. So the historicity of Jesus Christ is unimpeachable. It's real, you can't deny it. That's why when he was preaching, he didn't only quote the prophets, but he also made reference to history and current history. He said, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. You know how the queen passed not long ago? It's the same, within the same time frame. You know, Jesus Christ, he died um, 50 days later, this preaching was going on. And uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth died, we have more than 50 days gone. So it is like we, the way we all live here, and I'm talking about Queen Elizabeth, how his funeral was that, how his funeral was that. Because you, it's something that's so current. So the day of Pentecost was 50 days after resurrection. Just 50 days. Exactly 50 days, not after resurrection, so after Passover, after crucifixion. So he was preaching on something very current. That is why he could tell them, which you are all aware of. You all know. All right. So he says that this Jesus, not the one you don't know, the one you know, the one in history, this Jesus whose mother was Mary, this Jesus who had Joseph as his natural father, this Jesus of Galilee, the Galilean of Nazareth, this Jesus, this Jesus who did all the miracles we all saw, this Jesus, the miracles were not in a corner. Public. He had thousands following him. At the point that the whole city went to him. So it's, it's not like you can't say you didn't know. No. This Jesus. Say this Jesus. This Jesus. God, whom you crucified, God has raised. The Bible said when they heard that, they were cut to their heart. They realized, wow. This is, where can we hide from this? This is so real, it's true. But the beautiful thing is, do you understand this? This is very important. I don't want you to miss this. There are two things happening. They were reasoning intellectually with them, but it wasn't the intellectual aspect of the preaching that did the work. It was the Holy Spirit. So if you, if you look at it from the surface, you might think it's just the preaching. Or if you look at it from the other side, you think there was the Holy Spirit that convicted them. The Holy Spirit used the preaching. Wow. And the preaching had to be full of the Bible. Based on the Bible. Holy Spirit cannot use anything that has no, is not based on God's word. It's not usable. <laughs> it's not usable in the hands of the Holy Spirit. It's like you have a petrol engine and you put diesel in it. It's not usable. You don't have to even start the kaitungo. You have to call... Uh, recovery to come and pull, drain out all the 
I know some of it has happened to you before. Going to buy petrol, you bought diesel. Fill the tank. You finish. Oh, oh. Yeah, it's not usable. Um, diesel is not usable for petrol engine. It's not usable. I'm just telling you. That preaching you are trying to do, that doesn't have scriptures, is not usable for Holy Ghost. How can you light fire without fuel? How can fire burn? Fire is not independent. It needs fuel to burn. Fire needs um, fuel or something that will make it burn. You know? So you must have wood or something that's combustible. It will keep the fire, it's fuel. Fuel is not only petrol or uh, anything that will make the fire burn. So, he said, when he said that verse, that's where I started, verse 37. They were cut to the heart. And they said, men and brethren. Isn't it interesting, Peter was addressing them as men and brethren. Now they are addressing Peter, men and brethren. What shall we do? Ah, okay, now listen to this. What you guys see and you are confused about, it is as a result of Jesus ascending. When he sat at the right hand of God, he has now poured the Holy Spirit on us. That's what you are seeing. But who is this Jesus? The one we knew who was crucified, who ascended, who David has spoken about, who didn't see corruption. That's the Jesus. Now he's Lord and Savior. And he has sent this to us. And then they were cut to the heart. Men and brethren, what shall we do? He said, now you can enter. You can be part of this. What are you supposed to do? He said, repent. Repent and you'll be in. And then when you are in, that's why I ask you, what are they supposed to do? Repent and be baptized. What do you get? Remission of sin. And then after remission of sin, what happens? And you shall, ah, so this Holy Spirit that is happening to you, we shall also, we shall also get some. Ah. But there's a process. There's a process to getting what we have gotten. The process is you're supposed to do two things. Number one is what? I can't hear you. Number one is what? I can't hear you. Number one? Number two? Why should I repent and be baptized? Oh, so Pastor, uh, Peter, Pastor Peter, are you saying I can't just receive the Holy Spirit? No. Huh? Why? No, because you are full of sins. Oh, no. Ah. But what can I do about my sins? It's not a problem. You want your sins to be remitted? Because without the remission of sins, Holy Spirit can come. But the ultimate is that the Holy Spirit will come on you. 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 But He can't come unless there is Remission. Remission is to take away, to remove, remove sin, removal of sins. How many of you know that we are all sinners? So you are not the only one. I'm talking to you, you know I'm talking. You are not the only sinner. Yeah. You are not the only sinner. All human beings were born sinners. That's why no one, that's why it says that uh, repent and be baptized. He spoke to all of them, not some of you. When it comes to repentance, it's not some of you. It's all of us. Tell somebody good news. Tell somebody, so you are not better than me then. No. No. 
No, really, no. You are not. Nobody is better than anybody. Your father can be the Pope and still not better. Wow. Mm. Or your father can be Osama Bin Laden <laughs> or Hitler. Do you know the Pope's son, if you should have a son, and Hitler's son, none of them is better than anybody before, so long as when it comes to being sinful in the sight of God. The Pope's son will go to hell, Bin Laden, Hitler's son will go to hell unless remission of sins takes place. So, he says, ah, okay, so if I have, I will receive the Holy Spirit which is seated at the right hand of the Father and has sent. How can I receive it? So no problem. The promise is actually not for, look at the next verse. For the promise, for the promise is unto you, to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call. Oh, what promise? The promise of the Holy Spirit. So really, you are, you are a Christian, so the Holy Spirit can indwell you. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the law, having been made a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? Verse 14. That the blessing, say the blessing. The blessing. Oh, come on, say it well. The blessing. Some of you are not saying it. The blessing. That the blessing of Abraham will come upon us, the Gentiles, also. Oh, is that all the story? No. Receive uh, that the blessing of Abraham will come, uh, uh, might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Say in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is different from the one the Quran talks about Jesus. Yeah. The Quran one is not Christ Jesus. The Quranic one is not Je- Lord Jesus Christ. Please, don't forget what I'm saying. So it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, that the blessing of Abraham will come upon us, Gentiles, that we might receive the promise. Say the promise. The promise. Do you remember Peter said, the promise is unto you, verse 39. It has been a promise which was, uh, said this is that which was, Acts chapter 2, verse 16. Peter's preaching. He said, this is that, this is what was spoken. It has the promise. The promise was spoken by prophets. Joel, that in the last days I'll pour my spirit upon her flesh. And now it's not going to be only Moses. It's not going to be only Elijah. It's not going to be only Jeremiah. It's not going to be only Daniel. It's not going to be only Ezekiel. It's going to be all flesh. All flesh. I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. So that it says that, so if you repent and your sins are remitted, you shall receive the promise. The promise that we might receive God, Christ has become a case for us, that we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, for the promise is unto you, unto your children, mm-hmm. and all, unto all who are far off, as many as the Lord God will call, they have the promise. But now let's go back to where I started from. You need to receive the Holy Spirit. So, you know, the ultimate is receiving the Holy Spirit. Mm. So what shall we do to receive the Holy Spirit? You need remission of sins. 
you need remission of sins. Because with that remission of sins, you can't get into the Holy Spirit. It's like you want to travel without a passport. Are you the queen? <laughs> or the king? You need a passport. Even horses need passports. Yeah. Dogs need passport. If you're traveling with a horse, they need a passport. Other than you can't, you can't transport the horse. Yeah. Passport. With their picture in the passport. I don't know if they put their picture in it or not. Yeah. Research it. Because you operate in a certain environment, you didn't know that the other, there are so many other things that go on. So you can't travel with a, without a passport. In the same way, you can't receive the Holy Spirit without remission of sins. The remissions of sins are the, the passports to receiving the Holy Spirit. Receiving what? Receiving what? The Holy Spirit. Receiving what? The Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit. What spirit? The Holy Spirit. How can you contain sin and receive the Holy? Wow. Wow. It's an oxymoron. It's a tautology to say Holy Spirit is coming on sinful person. Your sins must be removed so that he can come and land comfortably. Doesn't matter how sophisticated your helicopter is, it can't land on Oxford Street. The people passing, walking around, no, it can't. The high rise buildings, there's no place there. So sin is like Oxford Street. Busy, your life is so choked with sin that there's no land. Do you know a train cannot run through this room? Why? There are no tracks. Even cars can't come here because those doors are too small. In the same way, Holy Spirit can't come because there are no tra holy tracks in your life. So you have to remove the sin. A removal of sin is automatic creating holy tracks or landing pad for the Holy Spirit. Hello? Oh, now the big problem. How do I get my sins removed? That's what you should be thinking about. Remission of sin, sins, sorry. Remission of sins precedes, precedes receiving of the Holy Spirit. And what, ah, oh, okay. Okay. Who forgives the sins? God. On what condition? God cannot forgive sins arbitrarily. Do you understand what that means? Just for any reason. Okay, yeah, forgive it. No, you can't, you can't do that. Because there's no legitimacy to that. Because when you talk about sin, you're talking about legalities. You're talking about law. Law. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that where there's no law, there's no sin. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 20, he said, the law entered. Do you know why the law came in? It says that, moreover, the law entered that what? Offense. Do you know what offense is? Sin. Might do what? What is the meaning to abound? Increase. Where there's no law, there can be sin. Right. So then when you are talking about sin, you are dealing with legalities. Because laws come in. So when you are talking about law, then you can't just cancel sin based on whims or arbitrarily. Uh, today I've, I'm, I'm in a good mood, let me forgive somebody. Uh, no, God doesn't forgive like that. It doesn't happen like that. Do you understand that? Yeah. Your car cannot tell you, today I'm in a good mood, so uh, I'll just drive without petrol. Mm. 
<laughs> there are systems. Once the systems are in place, everything moves. So God, God, uh, uh, <laughs> that would be very nice. Do you understand what I'm trying to talk about? So then for God to forgive sins, there must be conditions met. Now, on God's part, listen, this is, I'm teaching you something very deep. On, not very good. On God's part, what are the conditions necessary for forgiveness? On his part, is the redemption of Christ on the cross. Mm. So in... Colossians chapter 1, verse 14, it says, in whom, talking about Jesus Christ, okay, in whom, what do we have? Redemption. Okay, let's all read it out, let's go. One more time, please. Some of you are not reading. Let's go. What do we have? Redemption. Through his blood, and he's telling us what is it? It's the forgiveness of sins, actually. So, forgiveness of sins on the part of God, blood, I taught you this, blood must flow. So, if there's blood, okay, and the legitimate blood, because the soul that sins must die, so then there must be an innocent blood to cover the soul that sins, else that soul must be the one to die. So Jesus Christ shed his innocent blood. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, uh, verse 7, 6 and 7 actually. He says, okay, let's give you verse 7. Let's go back. He says that in whom we have redemption, how do we have it? So before God, he requires blood, right? Before God, he requires blood. So the conditions for forgiveness of sins is blood. Has the blood been shed? Has the blood been shed? Yes. When was the blood shed? Okay, so, but, but who was the blood shed for? Who are us? The whole world. He gave his blood, his life, for the, okay. John chapter one, verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sins of all? Okay, behold the Lamb of God, what? Let's do a little bit of reasoning before I close. What's the usefulness of a lamb? The blood. It must be slain, killed. Okay. Lamb is good for killing. For killing. And when you kill it, you need you get two things when you kill a lamb. You get the blood and you get the flesh. That's just that's why Jesus said, eat my flesh, bring my blood. All right. What's the blood for? Oh, oh, I don't want to go back, but when God blessed everything for man. He never added animal life to eat in Genesis. I've taught you this already. So he never told man to eat flesh. Man was created originally to be vegetarian. I know some of you are happy. Or some of you are sad. It depends on where you stand. Uh, because you, you, you like your assorted meat. Man was created. When you look at it, God bless everything, the tree, for food. He didn't add animal. And God blessed it and he said, it shall be for food to you, not the animals. But in, when, after man, man fell, in Noah's time, in Genesis chapter 9, from verse 1, 2, 3, he added the animals for food. So now animals are blessed for food. Wow, that's a good news. Shaki is good for food. Every moving thing, you know trees don't move, please. Every moving thing that... <laughs> That moving thing is talking about creeping thing. It moves. 
All right, can be for food for you. Every moving thing can be for food for you. I've given you all things, even the green herbs as well. All right, so then, why did God, did God change his mind? He didn't change his mind. After sin, blood becomes, became a requirement in dealing with us. But it's not every blood. It should be Cain and Abel. Abel gave, uh, Cain gave vegetables. But vegetables don't have blood. How can you get to God without blood? He brought the best from his vegetables. And he expected God, accept it. This was my best for you. Please don't give God your best. Give him what he's asking for. You say it's your best, but he doesn't need that. He doesn't know, that's my best I can do. Stop talking about that. And that's what he's asking for. Give him what he's asking for. It might even be below what you think is best, but that's all he's asking for. So Cain gave God his best. Take it. Accept it. Proceeds uh, in the process of time, brought, brought offering of the fruit of the ground. But God has also cursed the ground already. He brought offering from the fruit of what God has cursed. God does. You are a farmer. But Cain, but Abel, but Abel, Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock, oh, of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Not only the offering, the giver himself. God said, I accept this. And then Cain became upset. And God said, why are you upset? If you do right, won't you be accepted? Oh, that means he knew what to do. He knew what to do. So why are you upset? If you do what is right, he knew what he, he was supposed to do, but he chose what was convenient. Like you come to church and the pastor said, come and let me pray for you. If you are believing God for something, you are looking all that cool. You want to impress? You want to do it your way. Sometimes you call people forward and they say, no, I'll talk to the pastor after church. Mm. Who? You want to do it your way? That's, 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 the, that's the clearest manifestation of pride which God resists. So he brought Cain brought the wrong stuff. But why lamb? Because he used to rear lamb. Abel, when you read the verse before, Abel had sheep. And then she bought a son and now Abel was a keeper of sheep. What would you keep sheep for? You can't ride on them like horses. But what would you keep for? Now sheep has become a very important thing after the fall because it's used for sacrifice. But when you kill it for sacrifice, the meat, the flesh, what happens to the flesh? So God blessed us, now you can also eat the flesh. That is why Jesus had to say, eat my flesh. Because if God has kept us as vegetarians, there's no way Jesus, Jesus God would have come in the flesh and he said, eat my flesh. So he gave his life on the cross. John says that, behold the lamb. As soon as you mention lamb, you are talking about sacrifice and holy flesh. So he gave his life on the cross. Behold the lamb of God. What does he do? Takes away what? Is it the sins of the church? No. What sins? Of the world. Okay. If he's taking away the sins of the world, why are not all people forgiven then? Because the sins have been taken. When we came in here in the morning, the place was very cold. But they introduced heat and it has taken away the cold of the room. Mm. So you won't be here and have a different temperature. The, the temperature in the room has been changed. It affects all. Mm. 
the temperature in the room has been changed. In the same way, if the sin of the world has been taken away, then anyone in the world will benefit from the uh, remission of their sins. So why is it that there are people who still don't have remission of sins? As long as Jesus died on the cross, it should have been, yippee, everybody's forgiving. Peter wouldn't have told them that, wait, and they are removing us. Because sins have been removed. If sins have been removed by the Lamb, why is it that some people are being told to do something for the remission of sins? Because sins are supposed to be having removed. So that means that what Jesus did on the cross, so long as God is concerned, for the, the requirement for remission of sins is the redemption of Christ. So why has this happened to us all? Because Christ has redeemed already. No. Okay, but on our part, what do, are we supposed to do to access the redemption? So there is a human part and it's the God's part. Yeah. God has done his part, now it's left with the human beings. So when they ask Peter, what should we do to be saved? Peter's first statement is very revelatory. Peter said unto them, what? What should you do? Repent. What should you do? Repent. What should you do? Repent. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Now the scriptures are quoted from the beginning. They are coming live. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Mark chapter 1, verse 4. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. You remember? You think I forgot it? I haven't forgotten. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Acts chapter 20, verse 26. Verse 21. Are you all right? Acts chapter 26, verse 20. Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Woo-hoo. That's where I wanted to start from. But my time is ah. So let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Mm. Peter, Peter said, repent therefore and be converted. That your sins... Ah! So what should I do for my sins to be blotted out? Repent and be converted. But it's been remitted by the blood of Christ, yes. It has now been taken care of. So if you can enter as you can enter through repentance, there's no problem. So those who have not repented, their sins have not been remitted. Yeah. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 and 31. It's very interesting. It says, in the days of ignorance, God went. <laughs> God said, okay, I behave like I haven't seen it. God went. But now, say but now. But now. He's commanded all men everywhere to do what? Repent. It's a commandment. Repent. Repent. What does repentance mean? Stop doing it. God has commanded, if you don't stop doing it, you can't access remission. Ah, now he's coming home now. Stop doing it. Repent. They went everywhere preaching. Jesus Christ, when he started preaching, even before he died on the cross, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, he said, repent. Ha! Ah, look at it. Let's already Allah. Let's go. From that time. Loud, let's go. From that time, Why should I repent? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. God is now about to kiss your life. He's about to enter your life. He's about to do something new in your life. God is coming to visit you. But to assess it, you have to repent. Tell somebody, this seems to be you you are talking about. Repent. Repent. John the Baptist. 
chapter 4, chapter 1, Mark 1, Mark 1, Mark 1, 4, Mark 1, 15, Luke 3, 3, Luke 24, 47. I'll come back to that. All right, Mark chapter 1, and then we close. I keep saying we are closing. Paul used to say that finally, 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 finally. <laughs> John kept baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of what? Repentance. For what? Remission of sins. Did you see the correlation between repentance and remission of sins? How about Acts chapter 10, verse 43? Acts 10, verse 43. To him, all the prophets, talking about to Jesus, all the prophets witnessed that through his name, who Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. You have to believe in him and receive it. So remission of sins is available. But to access it, the believing means you are repenting. So when Paul met Jesus, when he was killing people in the church, and then Jesus said, hey, come here. Jesus called and said, you. He threw him from, he carried him from the horse, threw him down. <laughs> he was shaking like a leaf in the wind. He said, what do you want me to do? In Acts, in Acts chapter 26, verse 17, verse 18, verse 19, and then verse 20. Acts chapter 17, God told him, I'll deliver you from the Jewish people. All right, this is all when God met him. Any change. I can't go back because it will take too much water. As well as from the Gentiles to whom I will send you. When God sends you, He's sending you to people He has to deliver you from. They may chase you tonight, but I will deliver you from them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at the next verse, verse 18. What am I sending you to go and do? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of. Ah, people are under, under the power of Satan. Yes. That's, what, that's why you have to not stop preaching. Because you are turning them from, the, from, from blindness, opening their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness. They may receive what? Forgiveness. When they are turned, they will receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Christ. Look at the next verse. We are going somewhere. Second Dakriva. Therefore, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. But what you did to look at 20. But declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and, and then to the Gentiles that they should do what? Repent. They should repent. Tend to, and tend, uh, tend to God and do works befitting of repentance. Some people said they have repented, but when you look at that, they haven't repented because you are still doing works. The works you are doing is not befitting of repentance. It doesn't, it doesn't reflect a repentant, a repentant person. It doesn't reflect it. Bible says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. First John chapter one, verse five. God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Verse six, if we claim we know him and yet we walk in darkness. If if you say we have fellowship with him and yet we are walking in darkness, we lie and and practice and do not practice the truth. Give me King James. We lie, we lie and do not, we do not the truth. You can't say you know God and still, you can't say, oh, me, me and God, we are, now, we are now moving from fellowship to partnership, God. But you are still practicing some things. You are still walking in darkness. He said, you lie and do not the truth. Repentance means stop doing it. 
So acid test of repentance, you are still doing it. You haven't repented. Some of you, if you are really repented, delete and block certain people. You are no more with that boy. You are no more with that girl. But what's wrong if I'm with that guy? Because you have, it's a sinful relationship. Yeah. It's a sinful relationship. Yeah. But you know, when you are in a sinful relationship, you know. Yeah. But sometimes Satan deceives you and says, we are not doing anything. We are not doing anything. Please, please, please. You are, you're, your thoughts are. That's where sin starts from. Wow. It doesn't start. Sin is not an action. It's thought first. So long as the law of Moses is concerned, sin is an action. So long as the law of Christ is concerned, sin is a thought. Jesus said, Moses said, do not fun- commit fornication. They said, Matthew chapter 5 verse 28, said do not commit fornication. But I tell you, I tell you that when you look at a woman to last, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. But I say unto you, whoever looks at a woman hmm, to last for her, do you know what that means? It's not like you saw the woman and felt, hmm, this girl is hot. Gee. But you move on. But now it's just hot. And then if I get this woman, gee, my God. Oh my God. You have already seen. Uh, you have already committed adultery in your heart. So adultery is not just the action. It's the one that has started in the heart. So, so long as you have, we have not done anything. No, no. So long as God is concerned, you've done it already. Just that it didn't happen. Physically, it didn't happen. But, so James said, don't, no one should say that God is tempting me when you are tempted. In James chapter 1. He says, everyone, James chapter 1 from verse 13. Everyone is tempted when he's drawn away by your own lust. And he said, last, when it, look, he said that, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. That's, that's, it's coming. Temptation is coming. You are being drawn away. That's why sometimes you don't have to be watching some things to stir you up. Yeah. You know some things when you watch, it stirs you up rough. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some things, they may be soft, soft porn, but... It's hardcore staring you. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he says that you have committed already. He says that, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Look at the next verse. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So it starts inside before it shows up in the action. That's the law of Jesus. Who told you the Ten Commandments is strong? This one is stronger. The Ten Commandments say if you do it, you are in trouble. You have sinned. But this one, Jesus said, if you think of doing it, you don't have to do it. The fact that you have thought of doing it. Hey. Amen. Amen. Did you receive something? God bless you for listening to the amazing message. We pray your life can never be the same. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube and listen to more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms. You can also connect with David Entry and our youth ministry at Caris Phase 2 on Instagram and TikTok and at Caris On Campus on Snapchat so you're always up to date. Be blessed.